good morning, Chapel Point. How's everyone doing? Awesome. Yeah, good. I like it. We're ready to go for the 1130. And we are so thankful that we get to gather together to open God's word. And my name is Luke, and I am a transformed follower of Jesus. And that is our prayer and our hope is that would be true of you, that each and every one of you would find yourselves identifying with Jesus Christ and finding the fullness of life in him. That's, I mean, simply that's it. That's our prayer and why we gather uh, here in the building. We gather online and the venues around uh, the campus today so that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds as we fix our hearts and our minds on who Jesus is and what he has for us uh, today. I'm super, super excited and pumped about the, the next series that we are launching into next week. Pastor Joel is going to kick us off into the series called Speak. And I, and I love that clip at the very end where he says, silence is concurring with, and we will not concur with the brokenness of our world, but we will speak up into the issues of life because of what God has done in us. We believe that the lives of your friends, your family, your neighbors, and the people you have yet to encounter matter so much to God. God, that we want to help equip you to speak about those issues. So, so don't miss out next week. Join us for that as we launch into, into that new series. I think God has something really special for us as a church and really special for the people that you will get to speak with about Jesus. And so we're looking forward to that. So we're, we're excited. And as we look forward to that, we also, that means we're wrapping up a series today. It's been an incredible series for, for just me personally, but hopefully for you as well. As we walk through First John, where we've been kind of trying to answer the question, what does it really mean to intensify your faith? What does it mean to see your faith take to that next level? Where do you find uh, yourself walking in that faith of Jesus Christ and how that transforms and changes every moment. So we've just been walking through this whole entire book of 1 John, uh, and hopefully it's been life-giving, and hopefully you're able to see some of the themes that John is drawing out. And the thing I want us to, to wrap up this series with is simply this, Jesus. That's it. There is nothing to add to, there's nothing to take away than simply this. Your faith is intensified when you see and when you behold and when you walk in a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. There's nothing else in this world uh, that can help your faith grow. There's nothing else in and around you and the friends and the people around you that will make your faith grow. It is in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And that is our hope and prayer today is that you would just know Jesus. And so we're going to walk through this passage as we wrap up in 1 John 5, 6 through 21, and draw out a few key ideas uh, today. But what we see happening in our world and our culture is one of the things that John, who is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John, is the same John who writes these three letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and he's the same John who writes the letter, the revelation of Jesus Christ. He writes all of these things and he keeps drawing us back to this big idea that it, it, is, it truly is simply Jesus. And so that's where we're going to fix our eyes and our minds and our hearts on because here's what's happening in the world. Here's, here's the tension that we feel is that essentially the world is turned it upside down. That your faith is intensified by finding your truth. Your faith is intensified by um, living and being your best self. Your faith is intensified whenever you live and you pursue the things that bring you joy and happiness. And the world, in a way, is giving us a lie. And he, the world has turned what our faith and what our life should be all about upside down. And what John has been doing from the Gospel of John all the way through the book of Revelation is he's trying to turn the world right side up by allowing us to see Jesus. 
fixing our hearts and our minds on him. And in fact, it, it reminded me of, a, of what I think is funny, but maybe some people don't think it's funny. Um, and especially my 11-year-old daughter now doesn't think it's funny. She's like, Dad, what's wrong with you, man? And I'm like, well, there's probably a lot, but there's grace and Jesus loves me, so I'm okay. But here's the deal. Whenever we, I found out that we were going to have our first child, I was like, Catherine, just deep philosophical questions, deep conversations are happening. I was like, who told us and who taught us that the sky is blue? She's like, where are you going with this, Luke? I said, I think, here's the thing, I think we should teach Madeline that the sky is purple. Like, I, I, I know, you guys are laughing, you're like, really, who's this guy? Why are, we, why are we allowing him to talk to us? Because I thought it would be funny. Like, who taught us that the sky is blue, you know, and all these sorts of things that left is right and right is left. And so I'm like center playing with this idea, and Catherine's just like, what's wrong with you, man? Like, seriously, what's wrong with you? Like, why are we even having this conversation? I was like, I just thought it'd be funny. But that's what's happening in the world. The world has turned it upside down. And it's telling us that this is the way, and this is the way, and this is real, and this is real. And here we are buying it hook, line, and sinker that this is the way the world operates. But John is coming us through this whole entire letter to see our faith intensify, to see our faith be the thing that drives us forward, is to turn it right side up. And the only way that happens is through the power of Holy Spirit and fixing our eyes on who Jesus is, the author and the perfecter of our faith, is how the Bible tells us, that this is who Jesus is. So it doesn't matter what the world's telling you, it doesn't matter if the dad in your life is telling you the sky's purple, it matters what the real truth is, and that's found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so this reminded me, Pastor Joel helped us see a few things that John is trying to help us, again, get that glimpse so we can turn the world right side up the way that it should be. Pastor Joel told us and pointed out these few things in the entire book of 1 John. And if you want to write these scriptures down, you can go back and look at them. 1 John 1, 4, he said, We are writing these things to you that your joy may be made complete, that your joy would be found not in the things of the world, not found in yourself, but in Jesus Christ alone. John is helping, and he's writing these things so that we could see the world right side up. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. He's helping us see that sin is a real thing, and because of Jesus, the world can be turned right side up, where the world is saying there is no such thing as sin. Everyone's good. Everybody's okay. We find ourselves looking at Scripture, and John's saying, I'm writing to you so that you may not sin, because there's a brokenness in you. We need to see the world turned right side up again. In 1 John 2, 12-13, John says this again, I'm writing to you, little children, beloved the people that he cares about, that God cares about, because your sins are forgiven. Again, the world is saying there's, there's no need for forgiveness, there's no need for Jesus, there's no need for a sacrifice or an atonement for your sins because they don't exist. It's not here. and The world is upside down. And John is saying, I'm writing these things to you so you may see the world right side up, that your faith would be intensified. In 1 John 2, 21, here he goes again. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it because you know it he's saying i'm writing to you you've heard about jesus you've heard about who he is he is the way the truth and the life as john 14 6 tells us he's saying there is a truth where the world says there is no truth and we want to see the world turned right side up there is a truth and his name is jesus and in 1 John 2, 26, he says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. John is helping us see that someone has turned the world upside down, and it's in Jesus Christ again. We see it turned right side up. 
So all throughout this letter, John is calling out to us to see our faith take root and to, to be an anchor point for us so that we can see the world and the things around us and we can see ourselves the way God desires for us to see. And that seeing is faith. And it's faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. So as we walk through these passages, we're going to kind of move pretty fast. There's a lot here. I encourage you in your small groups and in community, kids and students, open the Bible around a table or in the car with your folks and say, hey, tell me what do you think about this? Help me understand what this means because there is a lot happening in these next few passages that we're going to read together. But we're just going to draw out a few big ideas. So let's pick up 1 John chapter 5 starting in verse 6. would love for you to join me as we read God's word. And this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. I want you to look at verse 9 and kind of hang on to it, because we're going to come back to that in a second. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony. This is the witness that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has Life. Feel free to underline that in your Bible or highlight it on your Bible app. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. In this passage, I want to say the big idea we want to draw out is it that knowing Jesus is based on truth, not our capacity. It, knowing Jesus is based on the truth of what he has revealed about himself. It's not based on our ability. It's not based on how smart we are, how much school we have, how much education we have. It's not based on our upbringing. It is simply based on the truth that Jesus is who he says he is. And what's happening in this passage is that John is helping us understand that just like in a court of law, you would need witnesses in order to prove a case, God has brought some witnesses to prove that Jesus is who he says he is. All right, so now it's, it's, it's group confession time. You guys ready for this? Like, we're, we're going to all work this out together. There's going to be grace for everybody in this. But how many of you, just raise your hand, double hands if you're like full on. You guys are like those, the, the, the cop TV shows, the NCIS, the law and order people. Just raise your hand. I know you're in here. I see you. I see you. And there is grace for you and love for you guys. But we know how the stories always end, Right? We, we know it's, it's this play of trying to figure out the information and getting the court all set up and getting all the facts right. So in order that the bad guy would get prosecuted and put away. But the story is always the same. You know, it's the one you don't suspect at the beginning that ends up being the culprit at the end, the whodunit. And we find ourselves in life doing something similar. But we do it with our own capacity, with our own strength, with our own understanding. We come to scriptures and we come to faith and we try to make sense of it in a way. Well, this makes sense logically and then this comes in. And then we hear other voices, other witnesses. Well, no, this is what life's all about. And no, this is what, uh, what it means for God to love. And this is who God is. And God surely couldn't create the world that way. And we begin to take in all this outside information But there are three key witnesses that God has brought 
to us to allow us to see who Jesus is. And those three witnesses are, if you look in the scriptures with me, it's the water, the blood, and the spirit. Those are the three witnesses. And you're like, okay, those are kind of weird witnesses. What does that mean? Well, let's talk about it. The water, it calls back to this moment in Jesus' life where Jesus goes to be baptized, to be immersed in the water. And the gospel accounts call out that there was a special moment where Jesus shows up, and there's John, not, not the same John that's writing this, but John the baptizer is there, and he sees Jesus, the one he'd been proclaiming. There's going to be a Messiah. There's going to be a Savior who's going to come in the world. And what happens in that moment is Jesus humbles himself, like Pastor Nathan was reading earlier, Philippians 2, that he humbled himself. He didn't count his godness to be anything counted, but he humbled himself and became like a servant. What Jesus is doing, where the witness comes into, into play, is Jesus identifies with the Father, and he is buried underneath the water and raised to walk in the life, the will, and the way that God the Father has for Jesus. It's this beautiful picture of Jesus submitting his life to whatever God the Father wants for him. And we see in that moment this picture that the gospel accounts record that the heavens opened up and there seemed like a dove descending on to Jesus. This is a picture of Holy Spirit, God's presence. And then you hear the voice of God the Father saying, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. This is the account of the water. This is the moment where God shows up and says, everybody, look, this is my son and he's here to do my will and the will of God is to bring redemption to lost people like you and myself. That's his mission and he approves Jesus. That's witness number one. The second is the blood. We celebrated that today with the communion to remember the body broken and the blood shed. This historical account is witness number two that John calls out to say, this is who he, Jesus is who he says he is. He took his, he took the sins of the world on himself and allowed his blood to be poured out as the sacrifice, the substitution for you and I, for you and I, there we go. And he did that so that we could have eternal life, so that we would find our hope in him and him alone. The second witness is why communion is such an important deal for the church, because it tells the story of Jesus' death with the understanding, the hope that resurrection comes three days later, that our sins are removed from us as far as the east is from the west. They are put in the grave, and they are left there. You and I can have freedom because of the testimony, the witness, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Like we sang earlier today, it is finished. It is done. You and I are free because of Jesus. That's witness number two. And witness number three is the Spirit. The Spirit testifies, and it tells us in the Scripture, for there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree. And Jesus, as he comes back to life from the resurrection, he walks among the disciples, and he, there's all these people that witness him. And you remember the story, if you, if you look in the Gospel account, Thomas is one of the disciples, and, and he touches the holes where the nails were, and he believes, and his faith is intensified, it's stirred up. These people see Jesus walk again, and he makes this promise. There's going to be one greater who comes after me. 
That is the person of the Holy Spirit who now is at work in us and through us. And that spirit testifies that Jesus is who he says he is. There is no capacity, there is no mental thinking, there is no logical way to understand death to life. There is no logical way to, to see a man who goes into the grave come out three days later. But it is by the spirit and by the power of God that these things happen. It is the reason why for many of us in this room we gather together because Holy Spirit has done a work in us and he has taken a dead heart and he has put new life in it. And the spirit testifies that Jesus is who he says he is. And for many of us as we take communion and as we remember and even now as we talk about just Jesus, our faith begins to stir, our faith begins to rise up because we believe and we know Jesus, and there's something that is powerful in that. And for those of us who, who may not believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the one that begins to soften our hearts. Holy Spirit's the one that begins to kind of chip away at the exterior of our souls and calls out to the dead person in us, there's life, there's eternal life, there's eternal life, life to the fullest, and it's found in Jesus. These three testify to the power of who Jesus is. And that's what's happening in this passage. This is who he calls out. So that, verse 12, whoever has the Son has life. Knowing Jesus is not based, it's not based on what we can do, but it's simply based on the truth. And it says in verse 9, I told you to hang on to that one. If we're willing to accept the testimony of the people around us about circumstances in everyday life, well, so-and-so said this and so-and-so said that, and we're willing to believe that and we're willing to take that in as truth, the scriptures tell us, verse 9, how much greater is the testimony of God? And there we want to invite you to believe the testimony of God. Simply look. And believe in Jesus. The testimony is true. The water and the blood and the spirit testify to who he is. And as we keep moving in this passage, there's a, there's a lot that's going on in this next section. And I'm going to try to draw out an idea. And essentially, it's ripple effects. So in 1 John 5, 13 through 18, it says this. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, that you may know you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death, and I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. And we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was, born, who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. The big idea in this passage is, is that knowing Jesus, knowing who he is, is eternal life. Knowing Jesus is eternal life. Plain and simple, that is the truth that we find in this passage. He says, I write these things to you, those of you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. 
You may have eternal life because it is simply walking in relationship with Jesus. And that may be a good way for you to write down a definition. What is eternal life? Eternal life is simply walking in an intimate relationship with Jesus. Eternal life is simply walking in an intimate relationship with Jesus. That's it. There is no other things that you can put on to make eternal life any more than that. And in fact, it reminds me in my, my southern roots, uh, going to church as a kid, there was this song they would sing, and y'all, y'all, proper southern terms there, it was wrong. They would sing, some glad morning when this life is o'er, o'er, because they couldn't, you know, they put the apostrophe because they can't say over because they're from the south apparently, they don't know consonants, I don't know. But when this life is o'er, I'll fly away. How many of you know, how many of you have heard that song? You know, it's a, yeah, there you go. You know, it's a good stomping clapper. You know, everyone gets all excited and they're singing it and they're going for it. Guys, it's not, that's not what eternal life is. It's not some glad morning I'll fly away. It's some glad morning I wake up and I'm walking with Jesus now. I am alive with Jesus Christ here and now and forevermore. It is a constant walking in an intimate relationship with him that's now and will be infinity times infinity times infinity forevermore. It's walking with him. That is the beautiful story of God's love, that he wants to walk in an intimate relationship with us forever. And it can start now when we believe and we trust in who Jesus is. Simply walking in an intimate relationship with Jesus. This is eternal life, knowing him. That is what it's about. But what happens are two big ripples. The one you see in that passage is talking about prayer, that if you pray, you can have confidence that whatever you ask, it will be heard. But what's interesting about that, it's not coming to Jesus and coming to God the Father through Jesus like he's a vending machine, but it's coming to God. And what's happening in prayer is that we were once far off and dead in our sins, but we are brought into alignment with Jesus through prayer. The more and more because of God's grace, it draws us in. He pursues us and he changes us. He transforms us. The more and more we understand the deep love and we walk in relationship with him. And if we're walking in alignment with him and we pray, of course he's going to answer. It's like your spouse that you begin to spend life with and love and care for. That As you love them, you begin to kind of read their mind and you kind of begin to uh, think ahead of them. And that's what's happening. There is this loving, intimate relationship that brings an alignment as he's talking about prayer there. And what happens, the second ripple, because you're walking in alignment with Jesus, that means people around you are going to notice because you see the brokenness, you see the upside downness of the world, and you're willing to speak up and you're willing to act on behalf of the brothers and the sisters that you see around you that are trapped in sin. That's what it means. If you know eternal life is real and it's walking with Jesus, then that means the people that you are around that don't know Jesus and don't have eternal life, you are there to proclaim the goodness of who Jesus is. You're there. God is going to use you like First John is using it in our lives to turn the world right side up to see Jesus, to see Jesus. It reminds me in the book of 2 Corinthians in the scriptures 5, 20, 21, we see this passage says, therefore, we are ambassadors. We are name carriers. We are people sent for Christ. God making his appeal through us. God is making his appeal of the testimony of Jesus Christ through us. I mean, what, a, what a sobering reminder, what a humbling feeling to know that Jesus the Christ 
is now relying on us by the power of Holy Spirit to appeal to the brothers and the sisters to walk out of sin and into life. To walk out of darkness and into the light that is Jesus Christ. And he goes on to this, say, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. It's talking about Jesus. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That we might become the righteousness of God as we walk in relationship, as we live knowing that Jesus is eternal life here and now and not some glad morning, but here and now. We can't be his ambassadors. We are his righteousness here and now. And that means we get to be a part of his redemptive work, seeing people reconciled by the gospel, the good news. So you walk in this righteousness. You are his righteousness. That means you live to see others set free from sin and you walk free. sin. As we look at that passage, it's all about Jesus. Knowing Jesus is eternal life. And that means you will walk to see other people set free from their sins and you will walk free from sin. Because look at that in verse 18. Like, 18 is like this gigantic I hope neon billboard for you. We know that everyone has been born of God does not keep on sinning. The good news is the reality that you are free from sin. You are free from sin in Jesus Christ. You are free from sin. You are free from the addictions. You are free from the baggage. You are free from the hurt. You are free from the lies. You are free from whatever brokenness you find yourself in need of. You are free of it in Jesus Christ. You are free. And I hope as you hear that, your faith is stirred up. Your faith is intensified to be to so encouraged. Be like, that is right. That is right. Because the spirit testifies and the water testifies and the blood testifies that Jesus is who he says he is. And if I believe in him and if I know him and I walk in the intimate relationship with him, then I am free. And it changes everything. It changes everything. And what we find in that is because if we walk knowing that knowing Jesus is eternal life and it changes our day-to-day lives and how we pray and it changes how we interact with people, uh, it also helps us as we see in this next passage. Let's continue reading in 5, 19 through 21. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Little children, keep yourselves from following, from following those idols. What we find out that as we walk in that intimate relationship, knowing that Jesus is eternal life, here's this big idea for this passage, is that knowing Jesus is how we navigate the circumstances of life. What we were talking about at the beginning is the world has turned it upside down, saying, no, this is true, and this is reality, and brokenness will be there, and tensions will always be there, and, you know, you're not good enough. And whatever the, whatever the lies of the enemy are, we see that in this passage in 19. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. It is turned upside down. 
And when we realize that the world is turned upside down, of course we're going to follow after idols. Of course we're going to uh, seek after them, whatever that may look like. But sandwiched in the middle of the lies and the power of the evil one and that command and that encouragement to keep ourselves from idols, we see something so profound. Look at it with me in verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding because it's not in our capacity so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true and in his son Jesus Christ he is the true God he is the true God and eternal life so I want us to hear something and I would encourage you to to write this down I would encourage you to think about this as as you uh process this message is again there's a lot there there's a lot for you to continue to unpack and for you to look at the only way to keep from sinning the only way to keep yourselves from idols is to believe the truth is to believe the truth to fully believe in Jesus the only way to keep yourself from idols is to believe the truth fully believe in Jesus Christ. And I know I said it, like that's all we have to offer you today. Simply Jesus. Is simply the Son of God who for the joy set before Him, the Scriptures tell us, for the joy, for the joy set before Him endured the cross scorning its shame is now seated at the right hand of the Father. For the joy, what is that joy? That joy is that you and I and that everyone would find redemption, would find freedom, would find eternal and everlasting life in Jesus. That's the joy that the family of God will be gathered back together, his sons and his daughters brought back home. For the joy set before him, he took on all of the sin of the world, past, present, and future. It's simply Jesus. It's simply Jesus. Believing he is who he says he is. And the testimony is true. It has been revealed by God and it has been told and it has been shared for generations but ultimately it's the Holy Spirit that's tugging at our hearts to believe and to trust who's taking a heart of stone and turning it into a heart of flesh is this Old Testament image of transformation so I invite you, I ask you today, are you being transformed Maybe a question to ask yourself to help you process this. Are you being transformed? Are you seeing who Jesus is? Is simply this. What's keeping you from knowing Jesus? What, what is the thing? And maybe or what are the things that are keeping you from knowing Jesus? It says keep yourself from idols, but the reality is, is we need to keep ourselves near to Jesus. And the only way to do that is to fully believe the truth that he is who he says he is. And it's simple, yet it has deep and powerful and beautiful ramifications for our lives. 
And maybe to help you answer that question, what's keeping you from knowing Jesus, I want to invite you, wherever you are, on our venues, kids, students, adults, grandparents in the room, why don't you pull out your cell phone if you have it with you, or if you have a tablet, go ahead and grab that. And I want you to hit that camera button. Go ahead and turn your camera on, pull it out. You're like, really? Why are we doing this? Just do it. Trust me. Trust me. Just trust me. I have the microphone. Let's go. You got it? You good? You got your camera out? And I want you to hit that button right there at the bottom corner or wherever it is on your device, and I want you to turn on that selfie mode. Oh, yeah. It's the worst thing when you, like, open your phone and you don't know it's on selfie mode. Like, oh, gosh. never happened to me, but okay. What's keeping you from knowing Jesus? Is that person you see right there in front of you. It's the person that you see in the mirror every day. The world has told us a lie that it is upside down, that you need to earn some favor, you need to earn some grace, you need to get right, and you need to fix yourself, and you need to be better, and you need to be X, Y, and Z, fill in the blank, the lie that the enemy has told you. And Jesus says, look in the mirror, and I love that person. I died for that one. I gave my life, and I shed my blood for you. The sin in our lives keeps us from knowing God. But I want you to hear, I am begging, I am pleading. I am pleading with you to hear the love of God. That he looks at you with such joy and with such admiration that he would do whatever he could to bring you back home. To bring you back into relationship with him. I'm begging, I'm, please, simply believe. Trust that Jesus is who he says he is and he died for you and he got out of the grave for you and for the other brothers and sisters all around and for those who are yet to come. The same John who wrote this book to us also wrote John 3.16. Passage maybe you know, maybe you've heard, but for God so loved the world that God gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but we'd have everlasting life. And that can start today. So I invite you to believe, I invite you to respond to the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. God, we thank you for today. We come just to worship you to respond to the gospel, to respond to your word, which is the revelation of Jesus, the revealing, the putting on display who Jesus is. And God, that is my ultimate prayer, that there is nothing else that has happened this morning than other than the Son of God, Jesus the Christ, be lifted high. And I pray you draw all men and women and kids and students to yourself they would hear how loved they are. They would hear how much, God, you've pursued them, how much you just yearn for their, their hearts. God, you are so good and faithful. You have proved it time and time again. 
for many of us in this room, we, we've, known, we've known you, we've walked with you, and there's been moments where we've walked away. I pray, God, we would run back to you. There's some of us in this room and online that maybe have never experienced that love and that grace. God, I pray today is the day that they walk from death to life, that they step into eternity, and it starts now. God, you are good. Jesus, you are holy and you are our Savior. So God, we worship you. We respond to your word.